0: This podcast is brought to you by My Uncle Max's company, Biplane Productions.
1: Hi, my name is Dustin and I'm an adventurer.
0: (laughs) I love that. Hi, my name is Ryan and I'm an adventurer. Today I want to introduce you to The person on my guest list who my wife and my siblings were most excited for me to talk to, of everybody on the list. Uh, He's a comedian whose work can be seen on Comedy Central and his Netflix special called Overwhelmed. And most importantly, on Instagram almost every day.
1: He's the last (laughs)
0: stand-up comedian that I saw in person before COVID. Uh, I'm really excited to invite to the podcast today, Dustin Nickerson. Welcome, man.
1: Thank you, man. And for the record, that special is on Amazon, but I have oh, been sorry. on Netflix. It's all right. But, you know, I don't want people to um, think I'm a better guest than I am. <laughs> a Netflix <laughs> special would have been a big deal. If you'd have gotten a comic with a Netflix special, that'd have been a huge deal. But you got a comic with an Amazon special who has been on Netflix. So it's, there it's right there.
0: Does anybody watch anything on Amazon? Like, what have you ever watched on Amazon?
1: Uh, I've watched stuff on Amazon. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell you what it was right away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure um, Jeff
0: Bezos is happy to hear
1: that. Exactly. I think we've got, you know, where you go to Amazon, where you just go, Oh, I want to watch that. You go to Amazon when there's something that you want to watch that isn't on Netflix when you're going after a thing. And that's why my special has done well there. Cause it's my fans that have gone and watched it. So. Oh, that's cool. Does where did they give you, you
0: analytics see- and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, they tell you the downloads and all that kind of stuff. What I like about Amazon is it's it's you can upload it yourself. I mean it's, oh, no it's way. yeah, it's one of the few places that still is a good place for those of us who are doing it our own way. And there's oh, less awesome. gate there's less gatekeepers because my special was made by me and produced by me and paid for by me. Now we had other producers, but it was you know, it was there was no productions. There was there was a studio, but there was no big backer. You know, it was very grassroots, which is who I am and what all see, my. See, I work almost is thought anyways. it was
0: the mafia because it looked like a place where like mafia people <laughs> take people that they're taking care of.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was very sketchy, and I don't know that it was legal that we did it there, <laughs> but we did it. We did it. Where did where did you see me live? Where I forget
0: Lynchburg, Virginia.
1: Lynchburg. Oh, that's right.
0: As <laughs> a famous. We don't have to get into that, but yeah. I'm sorry,
1: I forgot. Oh, you don't want to talk about Liberty University?
0: That's up to you, man. I'm not associated with the place. I didn't go there. I just happened to move in the same town as the place. Right. Um, But I remember we went there as a triple date. My wife had a couple of friends and their husbands, and we went, and you were opening for the headliner, and you smoked the headliner, and we are all like, how do we get more of this Dustin Nickerson guy? And we started following you online.
1: I mean, it's wild to think that that – I mean – where do you even begin? That was a gig opening for John Crist at Liberty University. I mean, where do you start? <laughs> I mean, there's been, I don't have anything to say about it there, but there's been a lot of headlines on those two topics.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, And, and it's, it's so funny, like I went to see Johnny Swim on campus and that's the last time they'll ever come to this town because it went went down that night on liberty's camp like police showed up took people out of their green room and like, what <laughs> yeah you oh, have to google man. that man oh, is, my they gosh. donated all their proceeds from the night because they would not accept money from liberty after all that
1: <laughs> wow that's crazy that's that's very honorable of them because i would I mean, I, yeah, if yeah, you're, if, if, if you're paying, I'm taking the check, you know? So I actually had a gig scheduled at Liberty and I think it's going to get rescheduled still. I think I'm still going to be performing there. So we'll see. I yeah, don't know my, when though. If my time. younger
0: siblings are any indication, you're definitely in that demographic. So you're, you're working <laughs> it well. Uh, before I get into questions, uh, the t- kind of questions I normally ask the guests, I just want to set up for people who are listening. Like why would you have a stand up comedian? On a podcast, that's about adrenaline rushes. and I mean, some of the people are Arctic surfers and skydivers and bungee jumpers. One of my guests has been to every continent in one calendar year. And it's because, one, I admire Dustin's work, but two is that I used to be a public speaker. And for me, the adrenaline rush of doing that was just like going out on the wing of a biplane like I do now or bungee jumping or whatever. There was this, I'd have to pee a couple times. My hands would sweat. Like I get really nervous and I'd have to go back just like with any of my adrenaline sports and go, okay, this is, this is what's real. This is what you've practiced. You kind of have like a muscle memory to it. And then once, once you walk on stage or behind the podium or whatever it was, it would take over. Just like once you jump off the the bungee platform, it, like you don't have to remember anything at that point. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done, there's this huge, like euphoric, like, yeah, that was awesome. You know, the feedback from the crowd or whatever. And, and so I, I found in my personal life, i I'm, Scared of public speaking, which people are amazed to hear that have heard me do it, but i I'm also scared to go out on the wings of a biplane when it's doing aromatic maneuvers, you know like it, I do it because i'm scared, and so I, I wanted to use that filter today to talk to you about comedy as an adventure like do you get scared still when you go out on stage or is this something you don't struggle with anymore
1: i don't get scared, I am pensive though I okay. am because i the thrill and the rush of stand up and really. I'm, I'm I would say like there's there's public speaking and then there's stand-up comedy which stand-up comedy is not just go be in front of everybody it's go be funny in front of everybody <laughs> you know yeah like there's I've done a lot of different public speaking of MC I used to be a pastor for a long time I've done various public speaking things and comedy is different because it's there's an expectation of I need you to make me feel a certain way and that's a lot of pressure you know um, <laughs> So it's it's I get pensive like I you know I'm I'm in Denver right now doing shows and you get pensive over the things you can't control of uh-huh. are they going to be too loud are they going to be too quiet are they going to be um, you know are they going to be too young are they going to be too old are they going to be too drunk are they going to be too sober you know like what <laughs> you know is there are there hecklers or there and you are just but it is a good analogy because I'm only thinking about that stuff until I get on stage. And then I get on stage and I, was, and I would imagine it's very similar to jumping off a bridge or a plane and you go, well, I have to figure it out. That's right. <laughs>
0: you know, like, I can't go like, back now.
1: I can't just turn around. You know, I have a job to do at this point. I'm, you know, I'm I'm thirty 30,000 feet in the air or whatever. I don't think you jump from 30,000 feet. That seems you high. You
0: can now in the States, but it costs $3,500 a
1: jump. Oh, wow. <laughs> How long does that take to fall? I mean, that's you're paying so that's, for a longer ride. Yeah, right?
0: that's called Halo. So normally you jump out in the States between 13 and 15 and you open your chute between five and six thousand feet off the ground. So it gives you about a minute of free fall. Uh, depending on where you go, there's a couple of places in the States. Halo, uh, you jump out at 28 to 30 and you open at three to four. Okay. Um, so there's two minutes of freefall. You have to wear oxygen, and it's super cold. You're all like bundled up. Have uh, you done it? No, thirty five hundred dollars no. a jump is a that stuff. I've paid. I've paid some money for some status symbols, but that one, I, that would <laughs> take some convincing of the wife for sure. It
1: is funny how they just they like they just straight quantify like you're paying thirty five hundred dollars for a minute. Like yeah, an extra minutes. minute, right? Yeah, you're you're paying
0: $17,000 a minute to do. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sign down in Queen Queenstown, New Zealand, which is like the adventure sport capital of the world. Like bungee was invented down there and all kind of stuff. And it shows you what you pay per minute for all of the rushes. Cause an average oh, bungee wow. jump, the actual bun- jump only lasts, you know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Interesting. So they, they quantify it like that. What they, what they don't put on this sign is and what i'm actually paying for is the anticipation.
1: Right, 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 right. Oh,
0: the waiting to go up and do whatever it is 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 what you're paying for.
1: Yeah, and i think that there's something to that with stand up too and that what's most satisfying is when you conquer the hard environments. Hmm. And you know, if i so 2 weeks ago i'm doing what we call a bar hijack show, which is there's a bar and now suddenly we hijack it into a comedy show. There's a oh, bunch wow. of people there who don't know that there's a comedy <laughs> show. I know there's a comedy show. There's a promoter who knows a comedy show. They don't they just happen to be at that bar when a comedy show starts. And those are the type, I don't even want to call them hostile environments, so they can get that way. And I get there and I'm headlining, I'm supposed to do 35 minutes or whatever. and it's in town in San Diego where I live. And one of my friends is just bombing on stage when I get there. And I hear someone go like, "Can we get him off the stage?" Like stuff like that. And no it's environments way. like that, where I brought my wife with me, and it's oh no, I, I know and she, but she's used to it at this point. And I'm pensive, and she's like, "I'm just gonna go get some beer and some guac." I'm like, "God bless you." <laughs> <laughs> I will. Oh. I, I, I said I'll join you in about forty five minutes, either in mourning or celebration. But I will join you, and you know, after I'm done here and it's though and i had a good set and it went well and i got them and you know i did well and those are the type of environments that are most satisfying because you go like yeah it was the anticipation it was that this could go poorly it was the waiting for them to call my name and step up onto the platform to jump or to talk or and go okay i need to i need to prove that i can do this you know so i uh there is there are definitely a lot of parallels and and the easier crowds Like, I'm playing Comedy Works in Denver right now, which is one of the best comedy crowds in the country. They all paid a ticket. They're all happy to be there. It's easy. It's one of the good gigs that you work for. So, though it's more fun on stage, it's less satisfying afterwards. The harder, the more challenging environments are, the much more satisfying afterwards.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I mean, that's the same with some of the other things I've done. I mean, the harder it is to get there – my pastor one time is my first international backpacking trip we hiked to the base of the mountain that's in the patagonia logo on the hat oh yeah and we're standing it was ridiculously hard climb it was my first climb of anything like that and we get there and i pull out my camera to take a picture and he's like don't bother he's like nobody who hasn't made that hike doesn't understand the value of the picture you're about to take like it's and i there is that's fascinating that the degree of difficulty mm. makes it better wow
1: yeah it's, yeah absolutely Is it
0: harder to perform when your wife's in the crowd? It was always harder for me to do stage work when my wife was in the crowd.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I think that at this point, you know, I'm almost like 10 years in, that it's more just like, I feel bad for her (laughs) because I'm just so annoying to be around before and at times after, depending on how it went, because I get very analytical, you know, Um, how it could have gone better. And you don't really you know you don't really fairly accurately like judge how it went because you're only thinking about the parts that didn't go well you're not thinking about it as a whole um but yeah i think overall it doesn't it, you know i if it if it's going to be a good show i like her being there because uh it reminds it it's a good thing for me to to show her like hey i i can do this cool thing <laughs> you know i have some value and uh and but you know So it's, it's a wash at this point.
0: Does she still laugh? I mean, is it,
1: she's probably heard you work
0: at all, right?
1: She has heard most of the stuff and she's there a lot of times at the genesis of the joke. But like I posted a clip earlier this week of, about our kids going back to school that she had not heard. She hadn't heard me working it out. She hadn't heard anything. And she was like, this is great. I didn't even know you were working on this, you know? And so that, you know, there are elements where, but the way that I, make her laugh is usually nothing to do with stand-up comedy it's a different it's a you know a husband wife or couple friend whatever a personal sense of humor thing is so different than stand-up like that's why Mm -hmm. usually like the funny people that you know are not stand-up comedians it's a different thing you know like the light I don't know very many comics who are also extrovert life of party people they're usually more reserved kind of more critical kind of like the more like kind of like like they might tell a joke or two, but they're not like, um, you know, they're not the the, the person like working the table, you know. They they uh, mm-hmm. most of the ones that I know are actually pretty introverted.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard that. I mean, I've heard a lot of people have also come from lives that aren't very fun, like some trauma right. and whatever else. That, that's a coping mechanism for them that turned into something.
1: <laughs> yeah, down yeah. The road. People with good families uh and good parents, <laughs> they do improv. And then people (laughs) with broken homes, we do stand up because (laughs) we can't stand the idea of sharing the spotlight with somebody. And we also have massive control issues and ego issues because the basis of our whole relationship is everybody sit down, shut up. You're in the dark. I get the (laughs) microphone. You don't. And not, and if you do talk, there are people here to walk around to tell you to stop talking. Like that's some massive control <laughs> issues.
0: Hadn't thought about it that way.
1: Yeah. So. And we're, a lot of time we're talking about ourselves. Where I Sometimes, you know, I, like I do a lot of jokes about my dad and being re- raised by a single dad and that unique experience. And, and sometimes I'll just be up there and I'll be like, I have not said anything about these people. In ten minutes, I'm just up here talking about myself and they like it, which is, you know, a weird thing that everyone's for whatever reason signed off on.
0: I was wondering about that. You know, when I've paid to to see a comedian live in person, I tend to laugh more than I do watching their special, like on a screen or listening to it on my phone or whatever. There's like an expect like I want to laugh. Do you find that people like it's almost like they're in the mood, they're gonna laugh. It's easier to laugh in person. You think?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, because well, it depends. You know, yeah, not the
0: hijack situation. Yeah,
1: well, I could I could talk about crowd psychology for days. Like, it's the it's the most interesting thing in the world to me of why crowds are the way they are. But on a good crowd, yes. So take that show in Lynchburg, which was like six thousand people. Like that was was like the biggest show, second biggest show I've ever done, and Wild, and we're in an arena now. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's enough people there that everybody's on board and and wanting to laugh, and 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 there's enough people that even if everybody doesn't laugh, a lot of people are laughing. But laughter is very contagious, and you don't want to be the only one laughing because when, mm. when you have smaller crowds, that's where the challenge becomes: is is to get everybody kind of on board because laughing. Uh, is very vulnerable. To laugh at something mm. is to be vulnerable. It's it's the oh, wow. equivalent of saying amen, you know, because you're kind of saying oh, wow. like I agree with this, I support this, I'm okay with this. Especially when like it's edgy stuff, you're like, ooh, am I allowed to laugh at that? And uh, that's when you get into dicey topics or trauma or people's like, uh, ooh, I don't know if that's okay. And that's you know, grow. And so you you're trying to get everybody on kind of groupthink, like we're all on board here together. So. Yes. For the most part, that's better live. But it's, you know what it is? It's like, do you ever, you know, when you sit down with your wife and you watch a comedy special and you're laughing and she's not laughing, you're like, well, this would be more fun if you're laughing. Yeah. I want I've to turned share it off this off Because I'm like, yes, well, you're too. not going to.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, thought, I was like, I thought, or even just like watching SNL or like a stupid TikTok, and be like, do you think this is? It's so much more fun to laugh together. And what you're kind of articulating is, yes, when you kind of capture that, a big group of people doing it together, and it can be euphoric. It can be like, like the the closest thing is like music and sports. Same thing. Like I'm a Seattle sports fan, and. I was at because I'm from Seattle years ago. I was at the last Seahawks game I went to. Will probably be the last one I ever go to. Is the was the uh, the beast mode run, the Marshawn Lynch run? Oh no way! Against the Saints, and you were there for that. I was there. I was there. No way. Maybe the greatest moment in Seattle sports history. And we're hugging strangers, you know, like, I don't know this guy. This guy could be the worst person. This guy could be a racist who kicks puppies. I don't know. But you're going to hand him
0: your Skittles no matter what.
1: Exactly. And we're embraced because there is a a euphoria in experiencing something together, even if you don't know them, you know, and that's kind of what live comedy can be in its best form.
0: Mm. And I wonder how much not having that during COVID has left an ache in people, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, well I think, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's why there's gonna be this mad kind of rush back and you're already starting to see that at, uh, you know. The comedy clubs have had this weird thing that we've kind of been open for a while because uh, they're technically restaurants and so they've kind of found these little like workarounds, you know.
0: If you're enjoying this conversation with Dustin, you might enjoy the comedy piece I wrote for relevantmagazine.com titled 12 Christian Reality Shows, America Wants. You'll find it at exploriance.org slash christianrealitytv. Don't worry about remembering that link. It'll be in the show notes. If you'd like to receive my posts about physical adventures and spiritual explorations in your email inbox, you can subscribe at the bottom of any page on my blog. I also announce them in my Insta stories under the Rye Instagram account. That's R-Y-P-L-A-N-E. I hope my stories inspire you to chase your own adventures and explore the fascinating corners of your world. In the VeggieTales episode titled Dave and the Giant Pickle, Larry the Cucumber tells Bob the Tomato, I laughed, I cried, it moved me, Bob. You may not believe this, but weirdly enough, my new book is getting similar reviews. If you'd like to find jokes about constipation or Aunt Becky from Full House hiding between some solid inspiration, pick up a copy of Scared to Life. It's available in paperback at online retailers. You can find the audiobook version at Audible, iTunes, and the Google Play Store. To answer your next question, yes, it's read by the author. If you prefer to read books on a phone, tablet, or e-reader, you'll find Scared of Life in the Kindle Store and on Kindle Unlimited. Of, you mentioned hecklers, and this is something I've always wanted to ask a comedian is, do you guys, is your response to hecklers straight improv, or do you have a series of answers that you've got ready to go that you've,
1: I would say it's, it's 90% improv. There are like, yeah. I mean, there are certain things that you maybe have done before, or, you know, might work, but you know, right. It doesn't help you to write that in advance because you don't know what they're going to say. You don't know what they're going to be like. There's, you know, heckler is a very broad term that incorporates a lot of things. Um, and there are like, There's drunk hecklers. There's negative hecklers. What what you don't see a lot is like the you sucks. That's very rare. Like I would say most comedians don't see that maybe once or twice ever where someone's actually blatantly negative towards you. What you get is a lot of people just yelling something. Maybe they think they're part (laughs) of the show. Maybe they're kind of engaging with the topic that you said or – Maybe you brought up like politics and they just want to yell who they voted for. Something like that. You know, it's not it's not blatantly negative. Uh, So I would say that like there are like there are little canned lines that you do every once in a while. Like, you know, I for a long time, I used to do one where it was like, hey, you know, just so you know, when I wrote this joke, like you didn't have any lines like I didn't, you know. (laughs) Like this is a monologue, you know, yeah. and and that's but again, if I'm dealing with a heckler, that's one thing I'll say in usually one to two minutes of dealing with them. So you don't know what they're going to say and you don't know what they're going to be like. So there's really no way to write it. Now, some comics do write crowd work like oh, yeah. or they have bits where they're just like, oh, if you say something about doctors, I have a joke about doctors or there's a moment. I actually just posted this on YouTube like two days ago, a moment where a guy fell asleep during one of my shows. It was actually during my special. Yeah, I and saw it. It was hilarious. <laughs> he fell asleep and and that's a good example of like I that's like a four minute clip. And the first two minutes is just me dealing with the fact that he fell asleep. And then my brain triggers going, Oh, I have a bit about sleep. I'll go, I'll just do that now. You know, okay. like, and then, uh, and that, so I, it just hits me like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll always relate to somebody being tired. And I planned on doing that in the special anyway. So that ended up being, that actually ended up being so good. that A lot of people, a few people accused me of planting, planting him there. Him. Yeah. yeah. Which, which some comics do. I don't know of anybody. That's one of those things that just like, one of those like rumors <laughs> that floats around in comedy that, you know, how do you know That's that? That's one picture? of the tricks of
0: the magic castle that no one admits to.
1: Yeah. I, I have never, I mean, I'll say this. I've heard maybe it one comic who some people say that they might, and that's it. And there's no way to know or not know, but I don't know of anybody else that does it. But I do think that people use, I think that it's something that, you know, people maybe used to do more, but. Whatever, it's hard or, or either way. Or pastors
0: trying to prime the pump for baptisms, yeah, as I've heard about. <laughs> that, that,
1: that's exactly it. The magic one is probably a better comparison too. That that happens at magic all the time. And you know what? I don't care because it's still a that's good right. show.
0: That's right. I still can't figure it out. I yeah I, yeah, uh, yeah yeah. My daughter turned sixteen, and we asked her or seventeen. We asked her what she wanted to do, and she wanted to go to Chicago. She's always wanted to go to Chicago, and we went and saw the best. Like we booked it on uh, Airbnb uh, experiences the best close-up magic I have ever seen in my life. It's going down six feet in front of me. And I was like, I I cannot get enough of this. Like, I know there's an explanation to all of it. And I figured out a couple of tricks over the course of an hour of, like, 50 tricks. Wow. Man, that stuff's amazing to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's really good. And that's, again, but it's so spontaneous what that heckler is going to say. And that's part of, you know, that's, I would think, and this is going to sound Grandiose, self-grandiose, but like Americans' number one fear is public speaking. It's Mm -hmm. not skydiving. It's not diving in the deep part, blackest parts of the ocean. It's public speaking. That's what people are scared of, and and then and the highest form to me, like the most intense form of public speaking, is stand-up comedy. So, I, 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 I people have nightmares about that kind of stuff for a reason, and the people. You the the for anyone who doesn't do it, yeah, the idea of a heckler is the scariest thing in the world, and that's why people are so fascinated by it. And when you start, it is scary. You're just like, oh, well, we'll see. But then you get out there, and you're like, well, I'll figure out how to do this. Yeah, I have no. Have you choice. ever had
0: one get you off your game?
1: Uh oh yeah, of course yeah. I mean, there hecklers are like a delicate thing. Like uh-huh. I I have a very. Like I'm fairly, um, I don't know what the word is. Like my stage presence is fairly agreeable. Like even when I'm Mm -hmm. talking about things that you might disagree with, I'm doing it in a way where I'm trying to unify things. I like to be ironic. I like to point out hypocrisy, you know, like I, whoever I make fun of every political candidate. I make fun of myself. I make fun of whatever you're into. I, I try to be an equal opportunist, you know? But there will be things where people just get, you know, like you can't, you you can't touch (laughs) on that. Don't touch my essential
0: oils. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Whatever it may be, you know, Um, and it's so I can't I've made the mistake of being too mean to hecklers. And that's and that's that can be that can be a, a real problem because we were talking about crowd psychology earlier. If you get too mean, you could lose the whole crowd. Oh. you could the, the, you could be now everybody's super uncomfortable so it's this really delicate thing of dealing with hecklers in a way that hopefully you can get the heckler to laugh and 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 shut up that's the goal <laughs> and then the second goal is to get them just to shut up like everybody laughing is great getting them to shut up is great too cuz usually the crowd is pretty annoyed by them too so you just kind of need them which is why sometimes you just have to look at them and be like, hey, I need you to be quiet now. And <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying. There's angry hecklers. There's uh, drunk hecklers. Drunk hecklers are, are the most challenging because the analogy I always use is like, like uh, a drunk heckler is like moving a mattress. Like even even when you got it, you feel like you could lose it at any point, you know. You never really feel good about holding a mattress, you know, and that's how it is with drunks, because you could look at a drunk person in the face and go shut up and they'll laugh or they won't hear because all their social cues are gone. So, you know, it is it's a really delicate thing. And I try to do in such a way that I keep the crowd positive. I try and be positive and generous on stage and getting everybody still kind of that they're still enjoying the show. And if I can't do that, then I just. A dusty slay a comic once he watched me kind of quite a crowd he's like you just went full dad up there like you just told him <laughs> to be quiet and i was like yeah well i was kind of that's kind of my last resort because i have gotten a few times really angry on stage and it doesn't usually go very well
0: oh wow yeah yeah and i would imagine like the some of those hecklers particularly drunk drunk ones there's a certain amount you want to yes and right to keep the crowd and then there's also you want a yes no because you want to get on back to whatever you were doing
1: yeah you can't um you know you have these moments in crowd work stuff and hecklers that sometimes are so good and you post the clip and it's a fun moment but what you don't see is that that comic had to get back in material and that usually didn't go as well because spontaneous comedy is so fun and you know it's organic and uh you know that you're watching something you're watching a magic trick be made up right in front of you and that's great but you've got to get back into your bits because you can't do that for 45 minutes you know and
0: is there a comedian that just 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 does crowd work yeah i don't know if i've ever watched one
1: there's a couple yeah and uh but they a lot of them are you know they've been doing it so long that they they're in control up there Oh, wow. You know, there's a sense of like that they're out of control and that it's spontaneous. And there's a mix of the, of spontaneity, but there's also a mix of if you really kind of like if you were to watch all their shows, you would be like, oh, I remember when he did that. Oh, like gotcha. you know, when he's talking to a married couple and, you know, they said this and then he said this, you know, there, there's an amount of canned stuff. So it just depends. Honestly, you know where I am with hecklers now is I'm not scared of them. I'm annoyed by them. Oh, I'm like, I, you're just like, I don't want to deal with this tonight. You know, uh, I've done this enough. Have I not paid my dues? But you know what? I, you know, I had someone fall asleep in my comedy special and Bill Burr has had multiple people heckle during his specials. And it just this kind of, you know, that's just it's just an occupational hazard.
0: I don't remember that the uh, standard comedian now, and this is going to kill me that I can't remember it, but there's a guy who had someone die in his show. And they just left the dead person there until the end of the show. <laughs> and he's having to do the whole rest of the show with a dead guy in the back. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. My, he was, oh God, he was a cruise hilarious. he was a cruise comedian and they were going to Alaska. He's like, the average oh age going to Alaska is like seventy-eight years old, you know? Yeah. And he said the, they the dude died
1: right in his show and they just <laughs> left him there to the end of the stand up. Oh my gosh, that is wild. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So
0: do you have to run, you do a lot of personal humor, not just self-deprecating, but you talk about your kids, your wife. I have pastor's kid syndrome. Like if my dad mentioned me from stage, it usually wasn't good, you know? And if it was, it was embarrassing. Like how much do you have to run by, Melissa? and How much don't you, like?
1: Anyone in the, you know, we there's, Seinfeld always says like, he's like, listen, we're a comedy family. Everybody has to play their part. (laughs) <laughs> which, you know, you know, which means but I I try and do I don't want to do anything that's like degrading to their character because that's hmm. not fair. They don't get a. But I will talk about like annoying things like the way my wife pronounces a word or how we fight or something like that. Like but nothing like there are jokes that I will stop doing. Because my wife says, like, I don't really like that, and and, hmm. and she has carte blanche because, like, of course. I mean, what a what a what a jerk move to be like. No, my art <laughs> is more important. Like, it's a stupid thing, you know, and. I don't I, I understand that, it, you know, a lot of a lot of comedians do sabotage relationships because of that. But, you know, I was married before comedy. I want to be married after comedy. I that's I, a more important thing to me in my life. Maybe one of the only things more important to me. So um, but also like I try and talk about like Chris Rock says, like you want to talk about. He talks about this as far as groups of people go. And he says, talk about what they do, not what they are. And I think that that's a, I think that that's good too, when you're talking about behavior. So like, I'll talk about, I, I've talked, I've done quite a few bits on like middle schoolers and my son and and what they're like. And I am kind of talking about their behavior and how, but I also say things like, and we were all there and we're all, they're just awkward years. And I try not to like degrade their character, you know, like the old, (laughs) like guy, just guys up there and bad mouths his, bad mouths his wife, like. A, that's uninteresting, and B, that's been done before, anyways. Like, right. uh, I think I've been doing, you know, if you if you come out to my show in DC in July, you'll see I've been doing more and more trying to work out bits about the fact that, like, you know, when I am happily married, and I did meet my wife in high school, and we've only ever been together, and that's my unique story, and I like that. I think that, like, when you when when you tell people. I've been with the same person my whole life. This is the only person I've ever had sex with. This is like the only, and people are like, what? what? Like, <laughs> and that, the same." <laughs> and, and in the comedy world, that's especially in the club comedy world, that's like bewildering. And in some ways it makes you more unique and talking about why, you know, because I was raised religious and that's the only rule when you grow up is like, don't do it, man. Whatever you do. And you meet with your youth leader and they're like, did you do it? And be like, no, they will be like, good job. <laughs> you know, like, that's like, like the only the, like the, the prayer thing. we
0: always had was, dear God, please don't come back until after my honeymoon. Like,
1: that yeah, exactly. The- that's exactly it. And so I, I think that you can make yourself stand out a little more, honestly. And plus you, you go, you only get to tell the jokes that you get to tell one of my favorite me. You know what my wife's favorite joke is, is a joke in my special about how I fainted, at a date that we went on, <laughs> yeah, at and Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the it's not the funniest joke in the special, but it's very personal, and it's I'm the only one who gets to tell that joke. Like lots of people get to do jokes about first class. I'm the only one that gets to do the joke about fainting on our third date. You know, because I saw a guy have a seizure, and my wife loves it because it's a thing that we just experienced together that now is on stage, you know?
0: (laughs) And and I, I love how self deprecating your humor is like, that's to me, it's, it's easier to recommend that to somebody else. I don't know what it is about that. Uh, neighbor God's the same way. Jim Gaffigan's the same way. Like these guys that, uh, they're really big on making fun of themselves and not, there are plenty of jokes out there to be had. It's just, is it harder now to be a comedian in the age of social media where everybody's a comedian and seems like every joke gets taken within eight hours? Like, is that
1: a challenge? Um, I would say that, you know, I'm glad you asked it like that because there's everybody like asked that question about like, what about cancel culture and PC? And I think that's the most boring topic in the world. Like, I'm sorry. People want you to be accountable for your words. That's a good, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, and you know what, if you want to get a little spiritual on it, uh, out of the, you know, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Mm. there's a, there's a little bit, you know, if you said something, there's a reason that you said it, but as far as the joke that has this joke been done, that's very challenging because yes, everybody's a comedian. And I would say everything that i post there's usually a couple comments that are like oh he took this joke from this person or i saw this on a meme and and it, there's just so much content out there that yeah somebody else probably might have said something like this before i don't know but i can't search the internet you know, like do a deep dive of every I so I do a bit. This is funny. Um, I do a bit about uh, I talk a lot about being white and how funny and silly it is because I'm not like just white. I'm exceedingly white. Right. Like, yes. <laughs> And I use the word like I the, the phrase I said was like uh, aggressively Caucasian like and that's the bit that I say I'm like aggressively Caucasian and I go on and I kind of expand on that. And Somebody said on a comment because I had a video do very well recently on YouTube, and, and said like, "Oh, the, he," they said Bill Burr called himself shockingly ca- Caucasian. This is subtle theft, and I'm like, subtle theft. <laughs> That's not a thing. So, Bill Burr, the great, maybe the greatest comedian of all time, and one of my favorite comedians who I've seen a lot of his stuff, but not everything, you know? He owns adjective Caucasian. He owns that phrase. He owns any adjective. Fill cool in the blank. He owns talking about being white. Like, that's just not... So, yeah, I I like to do self-deprecating stuff, and I like to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying more and more to do, like, topical things about things that are happening and, and posting them as clips and, you know, like, whether it's, you know, COVID or CDC stuff. And and I'm not, I'm trying to be a little more of that. Like my dream job has always been to do weekend update on SNL. Like that's Seriously? what I want to do. Oh yeah, that, you know, I'm like sneaking up on 40. So that has passed, uh, that opportunity. <laughs> but I like telling jokes about things that are happening and I like trying to point out the inconsistent. One of my, so I posted a clip recently as a joke that I did with Kev on stage about comparing guns and masks and oh, that one. yeah, and one of my favorite things in there is it's I pointed out the irony of people who own guns and say you're living in fear. Like, well, what are your guns for? You're living in fear, too. We're all living in fear. Like that's we all just have different fears. Like life right. is a buffet of fears to choose from, you know. And one of my favorite things in that is going through and reading all the, the people who commented like, oh, I'm a big. Second Amendment person in this joke is very funny. Like That's what I try and do is where you can just point out hypocrisies and irony and we're all the same. And you know, like when, I'm not gonna, not to get too political on this, but when people, when anti-maskers used the argument and they were holding signs that said, my body, my choice, I'm like, where have I heard that before? <laughs> except on the opposite end of the political, like we're all the same. We all, everybody, everybody wants the same things. Literally everybody wants the same. They want to feel safe. They want to feel free. They want to feel like they're cared for, you know, Mm. safe, free and love. That's what we want. We have Mm. and and but we all have different ways of getting there. And for some people, they're like, this mask keeps me safe. And okay, now the people, these guns keep me safe. Great. You want the same things. And I think that Mm. what I'm trying to do is, kind of unify in that, but you, you know, you lose people along the way. And like I did the joke on the special about people who uh compared the mask is the seatbelt law. And I talk about how, you know, the seatbelt law is a stupid law because it's not it's not about protecting other people. It's only about you. And there's only one seatbelt on the school bus and the driver gets it, the one person who's maxed out their life potential and <laughs> da, da, da I like that. I like a joke too, but I probably got 50 emails and comments like, this is so disrespectful to bus drivers. I'm like, really? Bus drivers? I, I, you know what? And you know, who didn't say that? Not a single bus driver. Bus driver. That's right. (laughs) No. If you're a bus driver, you go, you know, like, you know, you know, that's funny. (laughs) You know, every time you buckle up, like, man, why do I get a belt and they don't? So Getting, getting offended on behalf of other groups of people is, yes, exceedingly annoying. But I had the...
0: that when my mom and I, we did a flight out of Vancouver. I love Vancouver. It's my favorite city in the world. And you can take the float planes there just like you can out of Seattle. Yeah. But we went up into the uh, British Columbia Mountains and we landed on a lake up there and they let us get out. And I look up and the pilot's wearing like a five-point harness and they just give us a single lap belt. It's the same thing. <laughs> you're like, wait, a second. like, what does this do? Yeah. If we hit something up here, it's not going to do.
1: anything. <laughs> no, I mean seatbelts on a plane in general, right? You're like, yeah, it just does. What is this for?
0: At 500 miles an hour, <laughs> this is the difference between 0. 0.0001 seconds and 0. 0.002 seconds.
1: And if and if anything, you're like, well, maybe it'll it'll save you from going up and hitting your head. I was like, well, you know what? That might knock me unconscious. And if this is about to crash, I'll take that. Yeah, for sure. I'll, Um, I'll take an unconscious crash.
0: As my little buddy mentioned earlier, this podcast is sponsored by Biplane Productions, a company that builds direct mail and social media campaigns for adventurers in the auction industry. If you're not an auctioneer, thanks for listening to one of my favorite tax deductions. If you are an auctioneer, find out why more than 200 auction companies have trusted me to advertise almost 9,000 auctions across 49 states and seven foreign countries, winning more than 250 industry awards in the process. If you'd like my help, click the big orange button that says Get Ryan's Help at the top of the page at www.biplaneproductions.com. So um, you've mentioned in your special and I've read your bios and stuff like you used to be a pastor. Do you think your time as a pastor accelerated your growth as a comic and prepared you for that?
1: No, not really. Um, Only in like when you first start public speaking, there are a couple things that you it's so funny because you like you don't know until you start it that you're like, oh, I don't like. I, how do I hold a microphone and how do I walk on the stage <laughs> and when do I go on the stage? There are some basic mechanics that people don't really realize and you forget that you don't, you forget that you don't think about them, you know? So there were a couple of things like that, but as far as like stage presentation and jokes and humor, and maybe I was a little more confident, but not a lot, you know, because it's just such a different thing. Teach me the Bible versus, um... Teach me the Bible versus, you know, go be funny are different. But I will say that, you know, if you can teach middle schoolers, you know, you can handle You can drunks. teach anybody. <laughs> yeah, they're the same thing. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. I could not do, I could not do, I've been asked to do student ministry stuff and I I just cannot. That is a special gift for yeah, people. For sure.
1: Yeah, they, um, if I, if you see me doing a gig for kids, like, or like students, then I got a really nice paycheck for that.
0: Because <laughs> you're getting it, that door fixed on your car. Yeah, you're
1: it's exactly. It's almost it honestly, like I, it's almost double what I would normally charge because I would go, uh, I don't want to do that. And then they go, What about for this? And I go, No, And they go, What about for this? And I go, Fine, you know, because you just do that thing <laughs> where you're like, Okay, will I, I? I look at my wife, and I'll it's a lot of time her as like, you just go, like Will you go have a bad half an hour? for two months rent.
0: You right. know, like oh, yeah. you
1: really do just quantify it like that sometimes. And uh it's, you know, you I you know what it is now is I'll shorten the time. I'll say I'll do a half an hour. Cause I know I have a half an hour worth of jokes and stories. Stories respond really well. Like, you know, it's not, but you can't, you know, all my stuff is about being a parent and about current <laughs> issues and about I mean they're not paying they attention care. to anything I'm doing. And honestly kids like high schoolers, some like I started getting into stand up late middle school it's not how like they think like Will Ferrell movies are funny they think that like and I do too but like they think like TikTok and YouTube like that's the stuff they think is funny and stand up is very different than that stand up is a different thing altogether so uh it's not always the thing that they like so
0: i had 2 years ago one of the local high schools brought me in for career day as like the adventure guy like, right you know, right right guys and so what they told the students was like i guess there was like a one sentence bio and then each each schoolroom had a different career person so you could go hear about right. doctors and veterinarians whatever and i was adventure guy yes and three students showed up <laughs> <laughs> and i had that i had that room for 40 minutes or 35 minutes i think it was oh, one of the most brutal 30 minutes of my Oh my god. They are utterly unimpressed cool. with any anything at all. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. What do you What do you tell pastors who want to be funny, or do they even ask you about that?
1: Oh, I, yeah. I would tell them
0: don't try, but
1: I would what say do don't try t- too. <laughs> yeah, I would say no, you don't. You know, uh, there are some pastors that I watch, and I'm like, oh, you wanted to be a stand up comedian, like mm-hmm. that's why you got into this. You wanted to be funny, uh, or you, you know, like. You could still sometimes, I don't know what the equivalent is. There needs to be a phrase, you know, like in sports, like people who like uh, they call them jock sniffers, right? Like people who are like love athletes and always kind of want to be around. Them. There has to be some, I, there needs to be, cause there is a group of people that are that way with comics. Not a lot of them. Most people are like, Oh, that's a weird thing you do. And, but, the <laughs> but I would say that pastors are interested in it, but if they, I, you know, I would say, uh, you know, be, be genuine and don't, don't try and write a joke, like a joke, a jokey huh. joke in a sermon is terrible. It's always yes, bad. You know, absolutely. it's so bad. And, 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 and I would remind them that the bar for them being funny is so low. Like a, pun- <laughs> it's, if, if you can do anything, if you can be mildly amusing, your past there, your, your people are going to love you. Cause they don't, it's like when somebody tells a joke at a wedding, you're like, like when the officiant is funny, they're like, oh my gosh. Like nobody's ever complained that a a wedding of like officiant or a pastor was that it was too short or too funny. You know, like just get in there, just be genuine, be authentic as you can and know that, you know, the bar is really low. So don't try too hard. You know,
0: that was my second, I think my second ever comedy gig, a a couple of friends of mine were getting married. They'd already got married by the justice of the peace. Yeah. And they said, so this ceremony doesn't count. You don't have to say all the things that you normally have to say to be official. They're like, here's the problem we have the venue entirety for 45 minutes set up and tear down. <laughs> and you got to do what you got to do a wedding in there wow. in that time. And so all we ask is that you be funny. And it was that was uh, interesting. I've never had written jokes before. Like, that was watching a crowd respond and not respond. But yeah, that was an interesting gig. For yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean that still happens all the time. You know, as far as jokes go and they ju- they just look at you like when they don't even know you told the joke. You're like, "All right, well." <laughs> oh, he was expecting something. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the punchline. Ooh.
0: Uh, uh, a couple more before you go. Um so when you want to laugh, like where do you go? Do you go to TV, movies, books, podcasts? Like where do you go for laughter?
1: Okay, this is embarrassing. I love TikTok. Okay. I think it's the funniest thing in the world. I think it's so funny and I think that it's this next generations vine or you know like certain like or YouTube are we were kind of the YouTube generation before that that you're just like this is so funny and this is so unique and it's so specific and it's it's not just a bunch of kids like there's everybody's on there and I curate TikToks and then we me and my wife sit down and watch them and I laugh so hard. I uh, <laughs> Are you and a fail video
0: guy or like what kind of humor? All are
1: of it, All of the above. <laughs> and that's what I love about it. Is you're like, you never know what's coming up next, you know? And I also like that people watch my stuff on there. I have more followers there than I have anywhere else. And really views. Oh yeah. It's crazy. And then I also like, you know, I, um, there are standup comedians that I really like, but there I don't turn to stand up to laugh because I get too analytical And and uh, I so I I like things that are uh, just nothing to do with stand up comedy as far as like a zone out laugh goes.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So outside of comedy, what's what's something that you're proud of that you've accomplished or an adventure or something where you overcame in a similar way as you do when you go on stage? I mean, That's changing bit, careers is a big deal. Obviously. Yeah,
1: I was thinking about you know, obviously the jumping of the the getting rid of the day job and doing this. I would say that okay. So the very first open mic of it I ever did, I went and I talked to a comedian for a long time afterwards, just because I'm I'm I was I wanted to learn everything I could about it. And the bartender was listening. He goes, "Oh, so you want to be a professional comic? Uh, you might as well get the divorce now." That's the first night I ever did comedy. Oh, wow. The guy told me, "Wow, I am." I have worn that as a chip on my shoulder for 10 years of like, yeah. no, I will make both of these work. I will, I will make the marriage and comedy work and uh, almost purely out of spite. Cause I know the guy who said that now. <laughs> and every time I see that, I'm like, Hey, still married. FYI. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for I that mean, you know, a lot
0: of comics, they, they will eventually have kids, but I've rarely heard a standup where they started their career when they already had kids, which is something you did.
1: Yeah, I had I tw- to make it that I much I was, harder. I was 27. I had two kids. I'd been married for nine years. Yeah, we were we I had a life before comedy. And that did help as far as I was a grown up when I started. So I'm like, oh, I understand how this works. Like that hmm. person. I don't need that person to laugh. I need that guy who's the booker. I need him to laugh. I need to get paid to do this. I, there was an urgency to what I was doing. So gotcha.
0: So this is now how many years have you been doing this? Exclu- like comedy is the whole thing. About two and a
1: half. Yeah. I think something like that. Uh, maybe three, I don't know. The years start to blur together. And um, if you can't
0: make it to weekends update, like what is, what's the top of the mountain? Like different comics have different mountains, whether it's a, a yeah. sitcom or a, what, like, what is the,
1: I don't like to set goals that I, so weekend update is a dream, not a goal. Right, Right. Because right. I don't like to set goals that are up to somebody else.
0: Oh, I used
1: good. to okay. I used I used to be like I want to be on the Tonight show. Well, I don't get to decide if I'm on the Tonight <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and 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 my work ethic doesn't get to decide if I'm on the Tonight show and how good I am doesn't decide if I'm going to one person. There's one person on this earth that decides whether or not you do the Tonight show. That's it. And I don't so I don't like to put my goals in other people's hands. My my I have two goals. One, which is to was to be a stand professional stand-up comedian that was it and that was the big goal you know um, and then beyond that, I just want to play a clubs like the best club in every town and oh, have cool. them and have the majority of people there to see me which means my next goal is 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 what I'm doing right now which is trying to develop a fan base and and put out consistent content and and find the people out there that, really like what I'm doing, like over the, my, my, you know, they talk about how weight loss, right? Like it's not all straight down. It's like this and this and this This is how followers are for me because I'll get a tick and then I'll drop and then I'll get a tick and then I'll, be, and then I'll make a joke about Trump and then it'll drop and then I'll get a tick and then I'll make a joke about Biden and it'll drop, you know, and like I hemorrhaged a lot of followers last this time last year over being pretty outspoken about the Black Lives Matter stuff. And did it the other day over the George Floyd thing. And I go, so part of me is just like, man, I I hate that they're leaving, I want followers. And then I go, well, they were never really gonna rock with me anyways. They were eventually, there was gonna be a thing where all I can do is be my most authentic self in what I do and then hope that the right people find me and like Mm. really kind of what I do. So. And I like that because it's an ambiguous goal or it's, it's not ambiguous. It is specific, but it's, it's up to me. And it's kind of almost like ethereal, like it's just kind of keep one step forward and do a video and everything that I do is marching towards that. And there's no gatekeeper. There's no gatekeeper that tells mm-hmm. me like, you know, what to do. It's, it's all me.
0: Gotcha. Have you performed out of the country? I've never looked at it.
1: Uh, just Canada. Yeah. I, I've done some shows in Canada and, uh, I love Vancouver. Yeah. say And, uh, but yeah, just uh, I always find
0: it interesting that co- U.S. comics, particularly ones that only speak English, that they get a following when they go to other, like when they finally do get to other countries, or the yeah. like U.S.O. tour makes sense. That's us somewhere else. Sure, or when they yeah. show up and like everybody's, you know, yeah, Egyptian, like music, or whatever. yeah,
1: yeah, they they like, yeah. Well, also, you know, a lot of people know English. <laughs> we're <laughs> oh, just like true. we're just dumb Americans. Like, how could you know another language? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, but I mean,
0: so much of it is jokes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I remember when I even tour in Canada, there's a few things that you're like, oh, you guys don't have this? Do you, do you guys have coals? You know, there's like a lot of stuff that you're like, so no, only Canada and, uh, and yeah, I think that that's it. And Louisiana, that's outside of yeah, the country count- too. I think <laughs> yeah, that,
0: that definitely counts. I try to drive through Louisiana as fast as possible. I saw actually, uh, I don't know if you've seen this online, there was an ad for a, Fundraiser night with Bob Goff and Derek Nickerson. Oh, which was a picture of you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: is this is this happening right now or is this is old
0: no this was like uh pre-covid i i was googling oh your name i was God. trying to find some interesting stuff about you before can i talked to you
1: can you please send me that please got text to, me that well because yeah. the
0: question i was gonna have is do you is this like the prestige like do you have a twin brother and you guys are dividing and conquering? yeah
1: he had to grow out the mustache too he had to yeah <laughs> uh It'd both
0: cut the thumb off or whatever yeah that was.
1: exactly yeah and i love the one girl and the other loves the other yeah Gosh, that movie's terrifying. It is the, terrifying. The, the Prestige is is a scary movie to anyone who like is in like our like pursuing a goal because that's what it's about. It's about the the terrible terrifying things you're willing to do to make it. You know. But anyways, yeah, it's uh no, that's that's me. My name is butchered all the time. I mean, okay Cla- Dustin, Justin, Derek, Darren, Nickerson, Nicherson. You know, Nicholson. You know, like it's uh, or they'll do like. Um, I've been I've been Nick Dickerson, you know, they mix up, the <laughs> you know, it's,
0: oh, that's it's, awesome.
1: It's just until you get to a certain level. Like, I'm sure Jim was Jim Gaffigan was Jimmy Gaffigan or Tim Gaffigan or Jim Galligan or or, you know, I mean, it's it's just a, it, it comes with the territory until uh, until you make it.
0: Well, we'll get it right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put links to your special to your Thank different you. social everything in the show notes for everybody. You've got tours obviously by the time this comes out you'll already be touring. Is that just for 2021 or is that ongoing? Yeah,
1: I have I have uh, yeah, I'm uh, you know, it's kind of back now. Com- comedians are always touring, so I have, you know, lots of summer dates and then I've got um a handful of fall dates as well and then we'll kind of look at the 2022 as we get closer. So
0: Sweet, I can't recommend your comedy more. I only follow two or three comics on socials and you're one of them. Yeah. Thanks, Thank you man. for what you're doing. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Wow, you're like a professional podcast listener. If you liked the interview you just heard, somebody else probably would too. Share the love by helping this podcast climb the rankings and be found by more people. Head over to iTunes and leave five stars and a review. As a thank you, I'll share my favorite reviews on Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, you can follow the show there at Everyday Adventures Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at ryplane, that's R-Y-P-L-A-N-E. Now go out there and chase your own adventure, and I'll meet you back here for our next episode.